name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, let's open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. And while you're opening there, if you didn't keep it open when uh, Zach read, just a, just a couple of things for, uh, for those of you that might be our guests. We do have some guests, and we're really glad you're here uh, this morning. Whatever brought you here, we're really glad you're with us. But just a couple of convictional things to share with you. You know, as a church family, Bacon's Castle is committed to God having revealed himself uh, in the Bible. We believe that the Bible contains truth from God. It's, it's really important to us. It's our, it's our authority for truth. And so when we gather together on Sundays, we want to speak from there. We want to try to learn some of the things that God has put in his book for us. We do not... Uh, we do not counterpose Jesus with the Bible. We believe the Bible reveals Jesus for who he is, and, and we believe that Jesus affirmed the scriptures, and so this is our source of authority. Let me, uh, let me pray for us again, and then we'll, we'll turn our attention to the things from Joshua chapter 2. So, Father, thank you for this chance to just spend some time in your Bible and learn from things gone by. Lord, I, I believe you have a reason for including this story in our Bibles. And, Lord, may we learn from it. May our consciences and our spirit be, uh, be pricked, if you would, by, by the work of your spirit today as we listen. So, God help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a number of years ago, I've told you this story, but I know a lot of you haven't heard it before, but uh, I was sitting on the back porch of, uh, of our building, and I was looking over the field that lay in front of me there. It was a farmer's field, and we had been asking that farmer for a number of years if he would sell us some of that property. And uh, to that point, uh, they had not been willing to sell, but as I sat on the back stairs that morning, I felt like the Lord pressed on my heart. He said, you know, go ask the farmer. It's time again. Go ask the farmer if he'd be willing to sell you some, uh, some land. And so that coming Sunday, some of you were there. I'm sure you might remember this, but I asked you all to pray. I said, I'm going to go see the farmer this week and ask him about selling us some land. So would you be praying that God would be at work in his heart to soften his heart towards that idea? And uh, so uh, you hopefully were praying. I believe you must have been. But Monday came and went. It was really busy. I didn't get a chance to go see him. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was going to Missouri for a mission meeting. And uh, so I left. And as I'm driving to Missouri, my phone rings. And it's somebody telling me that the farmer has reached out to us and asked us if we're still interested in, uh, in purchasing some land. And that land that we bought from him is the land on which our community life, family life center now, now sits. There haven't been too many times like that, but there's been a few times like that where I feel like God has spoke clearly and pretty compellingly to my heart, and I've acted on it decisively, and uh, the result has been that God has responded to my, to my exercise of faith in a way that unmistakably has his, his thumbprint upon it. The key to our relationship with God, and I think maybe all of us know this, but it's worth repeating Sunday after Sunday, the key to our relationship with God is faith. And in today's story from Joshua chapter 2, it's really all about faith. That's going to be the theme that we're going to talk about this morning. And really, that's the theme of our entire Bible. And it is that we cannot please God apart from faith. I know we like to think that we can please God by our actions, but that's not what he says. He says, without faith... 
it's impossible to please God. So it really, you know, our actions that are not streaming from a heart of faith, they're not pleasing to God. Without faith, you can't please God. We are sons of Abraham, not by birth. We're not Jewish. Most of it, I think Zach has a Jewish heritage. The rest of us are Gentiles, right? But we're all sons of Abraham, the scripture says, because of our faith. And as the old hymn says, faith is the victory. Hebrews 11.6 is one of my favorite verses now. I quote it often, and I'm sure maybe you've noticed that. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For the one who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and so or seek him. And so there's two things that Hebrews 11:6 says about faith. Here's the first one. We must believe that God exists. You say, well, that's not very deep. I mean, that's not very much. We're just believing that God exists. I mean, we can all look around us and if creation doesn't, doesn't tell you that God exists, then it's simply because you've chosen to harden your heart. It's because you've chosen to resist that reality because creation around us tells us that there is an all-powerful God, a creator God, and, and it tells us that God is both transcendent and imminent. You know, the creation itself tells us those two things about God. If you don't know what those two big words mean, transcendent means he's apart from us. He's, he's not like us. He lives in a different dimension, and, in true, and that's definitely true. But imminent means that God is with us. He's not just transcendent and he's apart from us, but he is with us. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we really believe in the imminence of God because we believe that God became one of us so that he could actually relate to us, so we could relate to him. Let me turn that around. So that we could relate to him and, and get to know him. So the first part of that verse says we believe that God exists. That's what faith is. But the other part says, and maybe it's not as defining or as clear as you'd like it to be, but it says that faith uh, is that we seek after him. There's two parts. We must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek after him or seek him. So faith is believing in the existence of God, but then is responding to that belief in his existence that motivates us to pursue him. And motivates us to want to know him. And motivates us to want to please him. So now back to our story in Joshua. Because Joshua calls. If you remember last week, God gave Joshua this commission that we talked about last week. And said, I'm calling you to go in and lead the people into the promised land. Well, at the end of chapter 1, he gathers all the people. And he says, are you willing to be faithful to God? Are you willing to do what God says? And, uh, and fight, fight the fight for the land, etc. And they all said, we are. And he says, great. And that brings us to chapter 2, which, uh, which we just read. And in the beginning of chapter 2, we see that Joshua sends two spies out to, as in, on a reconnaissance mission about the land in front of them, specifically about the city of Jericho. He sends them to spy out Jericho. I guess Joshua learned from 40 years earlier when Moses sent out 12 spies, Joshua spent, sent out only two. And, and I would suggest, though it doesn't say this, that I bet you those two men were absolutely so loyal to Joshua that he absolutely knew that when they returned... When they, when they returned, they weren't, they weren't going to do what the other 10 spies did the, the 40 years earlier, right? Now, you need, to, you need to imagine this. Those two men, I mean, we just read it. But imagine during the Iraqi war, if you'd have been an American and they'd sent you in undercover into Baghdad to spy out Baghdad as two Americans in the Iraqi war or any war like that. Imagine what that would have been like, how scary that would have been. Well, I'm sure these two men... I mean, they were obviously very brave, but it was a very scary thing. They ended up at Rahab's house where uh, they intended to lodge. 
rabbinical literature, well, the Bible tells us that Rahab was a prostitute. But rabbinical literature says that she was also an innkeeper. It was not uncommon, at least that's what I've read, it was not uncommon for uh, a building to be used as an inn and as a brothel at the same time, right? So that's probably what we find ourselves here. And I'm not trying to imply they weren't using it as, I mean, they weren't there for, I'm not trying to say what their motivation was for choosing Rahab's place, but they ended up there. But unfortunately for them, as they were making their way to Rahab's place, people recognized them. They recognized them as being from Israel. And they, they sent word to the king that there's a couple of men here that have come to spy us out. And so, and they've gone to Rahab's place. Evidently she's well known. And so the king sends people there to ask Rahab, uh, about them. Now, Zach just read the story for us. I'm not going to recount it all all over again. The main character, of course, in this story is Rahab. And I want to say to you this morning, listen, this is the premise for my talk, okay? That the reason why this story is in included in our Bibles is because of Rahab's faith. It, it's all about Rahab's faith. And I believe that's why God has included this story. If Rahab had not had if Rahab had not been faithful in her faith, as we'll see in just a moment, if it had just been a, a blip or whatever, this story wouldn't even be there at all. Or if it hadn't have been about faith for her, but she just wanted to protect the two men or whatever, this story wouldn't be, wouldn't be found in our Bibles. It is found there because God is trying to highlight her faith. Because it's her faith that motivated her to, to hide the spies and then to lie to the authorities about their departure and then to proclaim her faith to them and then actually to act upon it and seek and seek help from uh, from them. So there's a number of things in the text this morning that I want you to see about Rahab's faith. And, and here's my goal as we as we work our way through chapter two. Here's my goal. One, I'm praying that God would engender faith in you. I'm praying that God would use this story. If you're here and you're not a person who necessarily believes in the existence of God, or more probably you're a person that maybe believes in the existence of God, but it's not motivated you to seek after God, that today's story will engender a faith in you that changes you, okay? And then for those of us that already have that faith, I'm praying that God will use today's story to just encourage us and motivate us uh, to be all the more thankful for what God has done, all the more thankful for the faith that's in us and just in, in strengthening that faith within us. So let's look at the things that I believe God wants to highlight about Rahab's faith. And here's the first one. Faith in the true God can be born in the most unlikely places. We'll say that again in a different way. That, that people can come to faith in God in, in a place that you would say, well, nobody could ever come to faith there. On a human level, uh, Jericho would have been a place that everybody had it working against them to trust in God, to believe in the true God. Rahab lived in a pagan city in the middle of a pagan culture. She did not have the same privilege as all the Israelis had of growing up their entire lives, hearing the story of God's call on Abraham, seeing what God had done uh, crossing the Jordan River, being a part of that. She did not have that. They did not have that. And yet she comes to faith. And can I say something here as a side note even? What a great privilege we have of being born in this country where... The truth about the one creator God who sent his son is so readily available to us. And, and so we get to hear the gospel all the time. But Rahab's story illustrates for us that anyone anywhere can respond in faith to God. 
God says that he's revealed his existence in creation. I've already pointed that out. And, uh, and that he's actually put the knowledge of himself within each of our hearts, it says in Romans. But most people suppress that truth. But not everyone does. And obviously Rahab didn't. And maybe that's why God orchestrated, listen to this, maybe that's why God orchestrated for those, those spies to actually go to Rahab's place because he had seen Rahab's faith. In the Insanity of God book that we all read, or at least most of us read maybe a year or two ago, I don't remember, time flies. But if you'll remember that book, it, it just has story after story of people who rejected their pagan gods because they knew that God, they knew that a true God existed, not their pagan gods, and faith was born in their hearts, and God would reveal Himself to them, and they, and they themselves would then become uh, propagators of this gospel, this good news. Here's the first point I think God wants you to see: faith can be born anywhere and everywhere. Here's the second one: faith is stimulated when truth is proclaimed. Faith is engendered. Faith is is uh, prompted when truth is told. We see this in verse 9 through 11. I'd like to go back and read that those verses again, what Rahab says about her faith. She says, I know that the Lord, had, she's talking to the two spies, and she says, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and when you, what you did to Sihon and to Og and the two Amorite kings who completely, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. So here's, here's what I want you to see. Rahab heard the stories of truth. She heard stories about the power of God that were real, that were in that moment. Maybe because she was, maybe because of her profession as a prostitute or as an innkeeper. You know, Rahab was uniquely situated to hear these, these stories of truth. But, you know, other people heard these stories too. She said, everybody's heart is filled with fear. And, and I think the implication is that mine is too. She's saying my heart was filled with fear too. But she goes on to say this. When we heard about 40 years ago, when you guys crossed the, the Red Sea, and we, we saw and heard what God did, and then just recently what you've done to these kings on the other side of the Jordan River, when we saw and when we heard that, man, our hearts were filled with fear. And, uh, and everybody else seemed to melt away. But, but notice what she, uh, notice what happened to her. She says, but, but I came to believe that your God is the one true God. Your God is the God of heaven and your God is the God of the earth. In other words, what happened when she heard the stories was she quit suppressing any truth that, that this God can't be God and our pagan gods are God. She let go of that and she put her faith in the God of Israel. And she said, he's the, he's the one true God. She heard and concluded that because of what she heard, this truth, these true stories, she was convinced and her mind was changed that Israel, that Israel's God was the one true God. Now in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, hearing the truth of God. And can I say that's why it's so important this morning, listen to me, that's why it's so important that we talk about Jesus to others and we talk about eternal life in the Lord Jesus because when people hear the truth of the gospel, when people hear the truth of the good news of God's word, when they hear it, then something happens in them. It's powerful to stir up faith within us. 
every one of us is to proclaim the gospel as a gracious thing. When I, when the Bible, Paul said that the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So when I'm preaching it, I'm when I, not preaching it because I don't want, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think about me preaching now. I want you to think about you with a cup of coffee across a lunch table with your worker, telling them about how Jesus has changed your life and how Jesus conquered death and how Jesus is the one true and only God. That's what I, when I say preaching, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you being in this spot up here. Okay. I mean, some of you probably ought to be up here because God's gifted you in this kind of thing, but, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you and your personal relationships. You need to be stirring up faith in others by preaching the gospel. That's what we learned from Rahab when she heard the truth of what God had done. And you say, well, that's different, Jimmy. She's hearing the, the mighty miracles that God had did and that engendered faith in her. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. The miracle of the resurrection. I'm talking about, she wasn't there. I mean, she heard from what other people saw, right? She heard their testimony and she believed. And in the same way, when you and I share the gospel, people are going to believe and their hearts are going to be changed and, and they're going to have faith that's going to respond. What advantage do you have over the national folks of Eri and Jaya who live in the jungles of Eri and Jaya in their small cluster, uh, their small tribe? What, what benefit do you have over them? Well, listen, I mean, they have creation. They have creation that is saying to them that there is a God who's all-powerful that exists, who's transcendent and imminent. They, they have a God who has spoken to their hearts. In their hearts, they know. But can I tell you what you have that they don't have? You have the bullhorn of the gospel that's being preached everywhere and all around you to tell you the truth of Jesus. That's the advantage that all of us have. And that's why Jesus tells us to take the good news everywhere. Because the good news is it's, it's like a bright light. Where, where the light of creation is a light, but the gospel is a bright light. And, and so when we preach the gospel, people, faith is engendered in them. And we see that when she heard the truth of God, faith welled up in her heart. And she believed that the God of Israel was the one true God. Number three. Here's the third thing. Faith always moves us to action. Rahab's, uh, you know, she didn't have much knowledge, but what knowledge she did have, she considered. And what she considered, she believed. And now here's the point of this point. She not only believed it, but she acted upon it. She moved on it. Here's the truth that we cannot deny. True faith always moves us to respond with some action. You know, that back to, back to Hebrews eleven six, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because you have to believe that God exists, but you also have to seek Him. So the seeking part is the action part. It's where when I believe that God exists, real faith moves me to act upon them and to look for, to pursue after, to get to know the God who is. Let me show you how Rahab acted on her faith. First, she, she hid the spies. Verse 6. But she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on her roof. I'm assuming that, you know, there's, there's flax stalks and she's got these two men hidden in between all of that so they're not found. 
Her faith motivated her to protect them. Secondly, her faith moved her to lie to the authorities about their whereabouts, aiding in their escape. So verse 4 says, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, they went out. And I don't know where they're going. Chase after them quickly so you can find them. She reminds me of the Corey Tim Boone family, the Boone family, the Ten Boone family, or, or Schindler's list, Schindler, right? That she's protecting these people just like they did uh, during, during the Holocaust. And, and just like Schindler and the Ten Boons and all of those people, she was forfeiting her life, if you would, if she was found out for what she did. Her faith moved her to, to act in her, in her own not self-best interest at the moment, right? She's got faith that this God of Israel would be willing to spare her in the future. Third, faith moved her to confess her, her, confess her faith. I love her confession of faith. In verse 11, when we heard this, talking about all of Jericho, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. And then she says, for the Lord, your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. I mean, I don't know how many folks in Jericho came to that conclusion, but I know that Rahab came to that conclusion and she confessed. It moved her to confess her faith in Yahweh, in, in God. And can I say this? I believe that true faith always moves you, always moves you. I'm going to say it a third time, always moves you to confess that faith. In other words, true faith is going to lead you to declare it, to own it, to speak about it. Here's Jesus. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Just curious for all of us here this morning and maybe those of you listening by live stream. Here I've got a question. How freely do you confess your faith? How freely do you own Jesus? How much do you speak about Jesus? And I don't mean, I don't mean in a preachy way. I mean that you're just talking about Jesus with your friends. And, and you're bringing Jesus into the conversation, not in a weird way, not in a pontificating way, not in some kind of air of superiority way. I'm spiritual and you're not. And I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about how much do you bring in Jesus and own up your own your confession of Jesus before others? That, that's what I believe is what we're finding here with regard to uh, to uh, Rahab. She, it, it, she acted by owning her faith. And then the fourth thing is that she sought refuge from the one true God. So after the king's men had left, she goes up to those two spies and she says, now please swear to me, this is verse 12, swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and save us from death. Don't kill us when you come. So her faith moved her to action to actually seek help from the spies that she had had saved. And um, she uh, she does that. She asked for kindness from them, even as they showed kindness to her. Now, before I move on to my, I think my last point or next to last point, one thing about Rahab that we need to remember is that the New Testament holds Rahab up for us. She, they, hold, they hold Rahab up for us as a model of faith. And in both occasions, they're holding her up because specifically she acted upon what she came to believe. So the first one would be uh, Hebrews 11.31. For those of you maybe who are not all that familiar with, uh, with the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the hall of faith. Because in that chapter, 
uh, person after person, the author holds up these men and women who have had strong faith and it's led them to change the world or to act in a certain way or respond in a certain way. And so she's found in that hall of faith. And it says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So the, what she did, they hold her up because she received the spies with peace with peace. James in his book in chapter 2, and his whole point in chapter 2 is that faith that doesn't have action isn't, isn't real faith. He holds her up and he says, was Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out another way? In both cases, in both cases, the authors in the New Testament are holding Rahab up because she acted on her faith. It wasn't just this theoretical head thing. She, she is pursuing God, if you would. She's pursuing where her faith is leading her. Number four. Here's the fourth thing I think God wants you to know about, about Rahab's faith as it applies to us. And that is that faith, that faith is an ongoing thing. It's always present and always active. Faith is not a one and done deal. Okay, I had faith for this moment, so that's good. That's not what the scripture presents for us. It presents for us a faith that must be ongoing. And, and it is necessary for it to be ongoing. Some people have suggested, maybe you've, you've held to this, that, hey, I prayed a prayer. Somebody prayed a prayer when they were young or when they were old. And because they prayed their prayer, that equals faith. And I'm not minimizing the importance of praying. I'm not saying it's not a good thing to pray to receive Jesus. But I'm telling you, praying is not the same as an ongoing, living, present faith. Faith is a living conviction and hope that we have the truth that we cannot see. If a man or woman has faith today, confesses faith today, and tomorrow renounces that faith and says they no longer see that faith. By the way, we see that happening all around us in our culture where Christian leaders are now renouncing their faith and saying, yeah, I used to believe, but I no longer believe. If that person does not have an ongoing, active, living faith, then they should not expect they should not expect that God will rescue them from death and give them resurrection that leads to immortality. Rahab's faith was ongoing. It was active. Hers was a faith that endured. It seems that same night that she let them out the wall. Did you hear what, did you read, did you hear it when uh, Zach read it? The very night she let them out the wall so they could escape, it says that she tied a red ribbon, a red cord in her window, which is what they told her to do, right? And had she not pursued an act of faith that kept her faithful pursuing after what God desired of her, i.e. bringing her family into the, uh, into the room when the attack came, uh, not turning them in, then she would have been lost. And we would never have heard about Rahab. She would have died in the battle of Jericho. But Rahab's faith was pressing and active and it kept on. And I know this is pretty, I know this is pretty obvious, but I'm going to say it again. If her faith had not continued past the day with the spies, she would not have lived. It would have not, it would have been for naught. And the Bible is pretty clear that true faith that pleases God is persevering faith. Listen to the author of Hebrews again. Take care, brethren, that there not be any among you, and any among you and who has an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. 
but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me at, uh, at Meribah. Whatever that text says, it says two things. One, it says people fall away from the living God. And number two, it says that we are in Christ if we hold fast in faith from the beginning to the end. And so I'm challenging us all. Our faith needs to be an active faith that continues and perseveres until the day we meet Jesus face to face. Rahab did that. Her faith persevered. And that brings me to my last point. Hang in there with me. I'm almost done. But, but I think this is the most exciting point of the ones that I've shared with you, all right? So here, here's, here's the fifth thing I think God wants you to see about faith. Faith does everything I've told you, but, but faith also changes our future. Rahab's future was indelibly and forever altered because of her faith on that day. Let me show you how. First, she lived and she didn't die. When Israel destroyed the inhabitants of Jericho, I believe they destroyed all of them. But they let Rahab's family live. They let Rahab and her mom and her brothers and their families, everybody that was in her house, when they attacked, they let them live because of her. In chapter, chapter, in chapter 6, verse 25, after the battle of Jericho, it says, Rahab and her father's household, and all who belong to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Had Rahab's faith not led her to pursue the true God of Israel? Had it not motivated her to action in some way? Had it not persevered? Then she would not have lived. She would have been destroyed. She would have died with everybody else in Jericho, but instead she lived. Here's the second way her future was altered. Her faith changed not just uh, the fact that she lived, but it changed her family. And this is where it gets kind of cool. Rahab would marry a Jewish man named Salmon or Solomon, who was of the tribe of Judah. And tradition says that Salmon was one of the two spies. <laughs> Isn't that pretty cool? So evidently, you know, if that's true, that means that that man fell in love with Rahab because she spared his, uh, she spared his life. And, uh, and she, would, she would live among Israel. She'd be married to a Jew. She would become Jewish, if you would, though Gentile by birth. She would be part of Israel. And she and her husband, Salmon, would have a son. And his name would be Boaz. And Boaz, if you remember, is the one who married Ruth the Moabitess. And I don't know, this is just Jimmy's speculation. But if you remember the story of Ruth, Boaz was, man, he was really loving the fact that Ruth, a Moabitess, would leave her people for Naomi. Y'all remember that? And so I wonder if maybe Boaz isn't so impacted by that because he remembers his mom. His mom who, who changed her family, if you would, by becoming part of a Jewish family. So she changed her, her future was changed and her family was changed. But here's something else that changed. Uh, her faith changed her people. And Rahab went from being a Gentile to being part of Israel. 
Now, she went to become a part of the true Israel, the Israel of God, all right? Now, she couldn't change her heritage. She couldn't change the fact she was born Gentile, but she became a part of a different people. She became a part of the true Israel of God. And don't you love it? When she did, she became a part of this huge family with hundreds of brothers and sisters, and she just became a part of a new people group. And, and, and I love the thought of this, that, that when you and I become part of the family of God, when we put our faith in Jesus, we, we get a new family, we get a new people. You are my people. You'll always be my people. You are my family. And you'll always be my family. And, and, and our family isn't just us, everybody. Our family extends so much bigger than us. Our family is all our brothers and sisters everywhere. Whether they fly under the banner of Presbyterian or Methodist or Bible Church. Listen, anyone who follows Jesus, they're family. We're part of the same people. And so it's okay for us to have our denominational you know, nomenclature, the things that, you know, we, we kind of tend to find important, so, or who we associate with. So we have these denominational nomenclatures, but, but really the, the top label for us should be follower of Jesus or Christian, not, not, not whether we're Baptists or anything else. And again, I'm, I'm not minimizing the importance of the things that I believe. I'm just trying to tell you what God says to us, that, that anybody who follows him gets a whole bunch of brothers and sisters for all eternity. We're family. We, we get a new people group, if you would. Here's just a, just a note for everyone. God's true Israel, and I've said this before, but I, I want you to understand it. I don't know if you understand it or not, but God's true Israel is, um, is different from the national Israel. God's true Israel has always been Israel by faith. It's always been the men and women who actually put their faith in God and follow after him. So you can be part of national Israel and not be part of the true Israel of God. And you can be not a part of national Israel and still be a part of the true Israel of God because you've put your faith in Yahweh and for us putting our faith in Jesus today. And that's exactly what we see here about Rahab. She, um, she put her faith in Yahweh and became a part of the true Israel. And you know, if we go back pre-New Testament times, the true Israel was probably mostly Jewish and probably not all that much Gentile. I mean, I'm not sure, but that's what it seems like to me. Today, the true Israel of God, we call her the church. She's mostly Gentile with a lot of our Jewish brothers and sisters in there as well. But the true Israel's always been the Israel who puts their faith in, in the Lord Jesus. Number four, her future was changed because her faith changed her legacy. Oh man, this one gets great. Okay, so today Rahab is known not for any prostitution or innkeeping, but she has known for her faith as today's talk shows us, all right? I'm not talking about her prostitution or her innkeeping. I'm talking about the fact that Rahab is a model for us of faith. And you go into the New Testament, and you go into the New Testament, and both James and the author of Hebrews, are holding her up also for her faith. Her, um, her legacy is changed. She went on to become the great, great grandmother of King David, the greatest king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. I know you know the genealogy, but let me just repeat it for you. And so um, she marries Solomon, and they have Boaz, and Boaz marries Ruth, and Ruth and, and, and he have a son 
uh, called Obed. And Obed and his wife, I don't know her name, but they, they had Jesse. And Jesse and his wife had a whole bunch of sons. And one of them was David, the king after God's own heart. And of course, if, if you, know your, you know your Bible and you know your lineages, then you'll know that she also becomes in the line of our great king, the king we follow, Jesus. She is his great, great, great grandmother biologically down, down the list as he became one of us. She was in his lineage. Her faith changed her future legacy. And it changed. It changed forever. She, she didn't die as a prostitute innkeeper. She died as a great woman of faith who changed her family's life, who changed her legacy. Number five, her faith changed her future by giving her a different destiny. It changed her eternal destiny. The wages of sin is death, and Rahab was slated to die. And since death comes to all men because of Adam, she would have died. And she, of course, did die. But because of her faith, Rahab will not stay dead. But Rahab will rise from the dead, and she will be given immortality. And as I'm sitting in my office working on this, I begin to smile because I have the realization that one day I'm going to meet Rahab face to face. I mean, because even as God is going to raise me from the dead, he's going to raise Rahab from the dead. And see if you don't agree with me, in that day, Rahab will be a celebrity. Because all of us throughout the generations are going to want to meet her, right? We're going to want to meet the woman who the Bible holds up as a great illustration of faith. We're going to want to meet Rahab one day. And I had this thought, you know, she, she's going to be treated as a celebrity. And she's going to be saying to herself, man, what is this all about? Because she won't quite get it, right? Why she's a, a celebrity. But uh, she'll be thinking, why I'm just a woman who put my faith in God. What is the great hoopla here? Why are so many people wanting to come up and say, hey, I'm Jimmy, nice to meet you, Rahab, you know, kind of thing. So let me take this home for us all here in conclusion. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your background today can be a day where you're, you're, you're charting a different course for the future. Today can be the day where it changes for you. Like Rahab, you can have a different future. You can have a different future. Hopefully most of us sitting here this morning, we, we already have a different future lined up. And that new future for you, though, can include a new family, a new people group, a new legacy, a new eternal destiny. And if you've stopped in this morning by live stream or if you've stopped in here this morning just to listen by being here this morning, you know, let, let me encourage you to stop suppressing truth and put your faith in the God who's revealed himself both in creation and he's revealed himself in your heart. And today he's revealed himself most clearly in his son, the Lord Jesus, who came to teach us who God is and then to die for us so that we could have eternal life. Actually, if what I said was true, that the words of God engender faith and that the words of God cause us, cause faith to be stirred up within us, if that is true, then today you've heard the words of God and you've heard the work of God. So hopefully your, your faith has been engendered and maybe, maybe today is your day to put your faith in Jesus and to begin to follow after him, to have your eternal destiny forever changed and your life changed today. So now's the day to act. I'm wondering if you'd like, if you maybe would be like Rahab, would you be willing to take your stand against 
you know, maybe like Rahab, you're going to have to take your stand against your family, against your people, against the, the culture around you and say, hey, I'm willing to stand with Jesus. I'm willing to stand against and apart from my culture. And I'm willing to follow after Jesus. And so I'm just wondering, are you willing this morning to be willing to do that? To follow after Jesus? I'd like to invite you to do that. It's really simple. Maybe, maybe you've tuned in or maybe you're just here for the first time. And you're like, man, Jimmy, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And I get that. I mean, this might be all new to you and all. But here, here's what I'd like to ask of you. If that's how you feel, pursue Pursue knowing more. Pursue knowing God. Remember, without faith, you can't please God because you got to believe he exists, but then you got to pursue after him. So I would encourage you to begin to pursue after God if all this is too new to you. But maybe some of you, this isn't new to you, but today you're feeling the tug of God's spirit on your heart saying, hey, it's time for you to declare your allegiance. It's time for you to confess your faith in me and follow after me. Would you be willing to do that today? I mean, this is, this is your opportunity. If you're watching us live stream, this is your opportunity to do that. Right? Where you, could you bow your heads and hearts with me for just a moment? And just, as, just so we might be self-reflective. But this is your opportunity to say, like Rahab, hey, I, I get it. There is one true God, and I want to follow him. I want to know him. I want him to care about me. And he does care about you, by the way. He does care so much about you. He's willing to become one of us so that you might so that you might know him and so that you might have life. He does care about you. Would you be willing now, wherever you are, to say, say something like this in your heart? Lord Jesus, I, I, I want to follow you. I want to put my trust and my faith in you. I want to pursue after you. I believe that you exist and I believe that you care. Father, receive, receive, this, receive me. Receive my heart. Receive my life. Help me now to follow after you. Amen. So you pray something like that, and if that's your heart, how about let me know? If not me, how about letting your friend that brought you know, or let your friend that's watching with you know, but let somebody know what God's done in your heart this morning. And uh, now before I leave, though, I, I recognize that most of the people that I'm speaking to, I mean, you're, you're folks that a while back, you came to that point where you said, uh, though the world doesn't go with me. I'm still going to follow after Jesus. And you, uh, and you made your decision and you made your, you made your stand with Jesus and you like Rahab, put your faith in Jesus. So what I'd like to like to end on is just asking you this morning, if you'd be willing or in your heart, just before God, would you just renew your faith? Would you, would you Say to God, God, I want to be passionate about my faith. I want to be passionate about you. I want to be passionate about pursuing you and, and getting to know you and loving you and living for you. I, I want to live in my culture so different so that people see me as different. And they see me as, they want to have what I have. Lord, would you work in my heart that my faith would be just uh, encouraged and exhorted and renewed? Now I would, for those of you here this morning, let's bow our heads again. And this is your opportunity in the quietness of the moment. I'm going to be quiet for, I don't know, 30 seconds or so. And this is your moment to talk to God about your own faith. And just ask God to renew it, to encourage it, to strengthen it. Maybe, maybe 
you've just, you know, like the parable of the seed that got sown among the weeds and the parable of the seed that got sown in the rocky soil. And in both cases, it gets choked out by being too much about money and things and material things. It got choked out by that. Or it got choked out because it was too hard and people were, were too much against you in some way. And you got choked out. Maybe your faith has been choked back. This is the time to ask God to weed the garden of your heart. And for your faith to flourish. So again, I'm going to be quiet. And you, you talk to God about your own faith. Father, what a beautiful day you gave us to be together under the canopy of your creation. And it's, a, it's been wonderful. So thank you for allowing us to be together this way this morning. And um, Father, we would pray. We, we know that part of the reason we've come together today is to encourage one another. Uh, to love and good deeds. Uh, we've, been, we've gathered here to try to encourage one another in our faith so that our faith is alive and vibrant and strong and not wilting away. So Lord, you've heard our prayers. You've heard our cries. Lord, strengthen our faith today. Encourage us. Help us to be strong in faith and strong in love for you and strong in love for others. Lord, use our church family. Lord, we, we want to make a difference in the communities in which we live around here. We want to make a difference around the world. So, Lord, use us. Use us to that end, Lord. Spirit, do something mighty and wonderful in our midst, we pray. We thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.